Good afternoon and welcome to the National Library of Australia. I'm Anne-Marie Schwedlick and it's my great privilege and pleasure to be the Director General of this wonderful library. In welcoming you, may I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. I thank their elders, past and present, for caring for this land that we are all now privileged to call home. The National Library and the Australian Library and Information Association's Asia-Pacific Special Interest Group have collaborated very, very happily to bring you today's very special presentation by Anne-Sophie Herman, the founder of Book Belong Piccanini, which roughly translates as Books for Children in the Lingua Franca of Papua New Guinea, Tok Pisin. Book Belong Piccanini was established in 2007 with a mission to help increase literacy rates in Papua New Guinea by setting up children's libraries in community-based localities. In 2009, it was estimated that 680,000 children between the ages of 6 to 14 remained outside the school system. And at the time, AusAid estimated the primary school enrolment rate to be about 72% and less than 50% in some provinces and districts. And Sophie moved to Papua New Guinea in 2006 with her 14-year-old, 14-month-old daughter, Yasmin, who was a catalyst for much of Anne Sophie's thinking and work, and with her husband, Chris Moraitis, the then Australian High Commissioner to Papua New Guinea. Following her arrival in Port Moresby, Anne Sophie quickly became aware of the very low literacy rates and the lack of facilities such as libraries for children. And within a matter of months, she and Anna Mukherjee, the wife of the UNICEF representative based in PNG, established the first library at the Port Moresby General Hospital in a ward for children with life-threatening illnesses. And Sophie returned to Australia in 2009, but she continues her involvement with Book Belong Piccanini. Under Anne-Sophie's guidance, Book Belong Piccanini has established 17 children's libraries across Papua New Guinea. And one of, uh, one of uh, Anne-Sophie's great supporters since her return to Australia is the High Commission of Papua New Guinea, and we're delighted that the Deputy High Commissioner is with us this afternoon because I think Anne-Sophie would say that she couldn't do what she does in Australia from Australia without the assistance of the High Commission. Now, Anne-Sophie is a passionate and articulate dynamo, as you are about to hear. So please join me in welcoming Anne-Sophie Herman to tell us the Book Belong Piccanini story. Thank you so much to all of you for coming here today. Um, Welcome. And isn't it a wonderful institution, the National Library of Australia, in the most beautiful location? We are so privileged here in Canberra to have access to, to this beautiful building. And as you can imagine, taking libraries for granted is something that can happen here in Australia, but certainly not in Papua New Guinea. 
So first of all, I would like to thank Anne-Marie Sviatik for her beautiful welcome and your very kind words and for welcoming me here to the library today. I would also like to thank Brendan Dahl and Sally Hopman who have assisted with the setup and the, the media around this event. And I'd also like to thank Marie Sexton for coming along representing ALIA and the Asia Pacific Special Interest Group. I'd also like to, to um, acknowledge the Deputy High Commissioner of um, Papua New Guinea to Australia, um, Zacharias Tameo, who has come along today as well. As Anne-Marie said, um, the PNG High Commission has really been the most extraordinary support that one could hope for. Um, we would not have been able to continue the work in Papua New Guinea if I had not had that support. So, first of all, I'd like to just talk to you about how this <coughs> adventure came about. So, as Anne-Marie also said before, um, in 2006, I travelled with my husband to Papua New Guinea and our little daughter, who was then 14 months old, not 14 years, <laughs> she'll turn 10 next week, which is another story, but um, we were very fortunate to live in a beautiful house with a lovely view. There's Yasmin and Frida. And we would have staff living around the, the house, and the staff children would very soon come into our house and play with Yasmin. And one of the activities that we greatly enjoyed together was to read. And so I would start asking Frida about what types of books she might have at home and what kind of things she liked to, to read. And she said to me, I don't have any books at home. And I was a bit surprised about that because I thought people who have been in, in secure employment for many years working for the Australian High Commissioner surely could have books for their children, but it was not the case. So I said, don't worry, Frida, we'll just go to the library and get some books. And then she said, what's a library? Um, and I thought, this cannot be true. Um, you have to have libraries. You have to be able to enjoy reading in everyday life. And for children, isn't it just the most important thing to start with is to discover the world around you in the beautiful pictures and stories that books provide. So this was really a shock for me. So I started asking around all the people um, who I knew in Port Moresby, what, what was the story? And so I was told that before independence, there was um, 30 public library or more around Papua New Guinea, uh, but that there is now less than a handful left. I also learned um, that, and this was just driving around Port Moresby, that there weren't any real bookshops. You could buy some books in supermarkets, but they weren't really beautiful books. Um, and they also... Um, when I started talking to then Aussie officials were telling me that in some provinces, as Anne-Marie also mentioned, less than 50% of school children, school-age children are in, enrolled at school. Um, and I also learned that even if you are fortunate enough to go to school, this does not guarantee that you can actually read and write. And this is particularly the case for, for young women they, or young girls. They get kept at home to, to help their, their parents with, with chores. The other thing I learned was that at schools, just as the public libraries have suffered, school libraries have suffered and, and do not have uh, many materials for the children, which again means that the kids can't take books home um, to enjoy in their own time. So I guess the fact that there isn't that easy access to literacy materials means that it's not really any surprise that the literacy rates are as they stand at the moment. 
This is um, Asia-Pacific Business uh, Basic Adult Education, uh, who conducted in 2011 uh, uh, an education experience survey in five provinces of Papua New Guinea, and these were the, the figures that they came up with. So as you can see, in the National Capital District of Port Moresby, only 11.5% of adults are seen to be fully literate. So that's very far from the official figures which estimate that it's about 52% literacy across the country. It's simply not the case. And this has also been confirmed by us um, in our baseline testing. So before I go on to, to talking to you about how we've actually been able to do this, I would like to, to first take you to PNG. And I'd like to do that um, by showing a little snippet of our documentary, which was um, filmed in 2013 by a very talented Papua New Guinean called Tanya Nugent. It's called Literacy, the Book Belong Pikinini Way. And we would like to just play a little five minutes of that to give you an idea of our work and also so that you can hear from others than me. Our population at the moment, going by last census, 743 million. At independence, we were 3 million. So we're more than double, which means that we have a backlog of education to catch up on and we have to catch up soon, otherwise we'll find it very difficult as the year comes by to catch up. I think it's something like 40% of our population is now under 15. So it tells you that it's a very young population and it tells you the rate at which we're growing. It's obvious that if you cannot uh, maintain the goods and services, you're going to get cracks, you're going to get problems, and it'll just exacerbate. As the uneducated youth get larger and larger, it's, it, naturally it's going to create problems. The official literacy rate for Papua New Guinea is 52%. Now, everyone knows um, that this is simply not the case. You go to any settlement, you go to any rural area, and you straight away find that, you know, you're lucky to find above 10, 15% of adults reading um, at a full literacy level. In order to create a nation with people literate, you need to provide those tools for them to become literate. So you need public libraries, you need to provide the access to the people. We have two sessions uh, every day, Monday to Friday. In one session we have about uh, 75 to 80 children, one session, and about 60 in the second session, it's more than 150 every day, so it's quite, quite a lot of work, however, we, we have uh, hands coming from our many staff here. I would be beginning I'm not a because I'm 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 something good, so I hope that i big plus school. I'm brain blame, clearing penis, all sounds, all reading. I'm going to big plus school. Me really am a mass. Come and see our job, said Vicky. Three, one, two, three. We prepare children to continue on to formal education. Thank you very much, Gobla. I see mom and dad. We see Kippa. Book
what about providing teachers um, who would then introduce the books to the children, read to the children, and try to instill that love of reading. So I met Anna Mukherjee, whose husband was the um, UNICEF representative to Papua New Guinea. She had been to Africa and had some prior idea of how organizations would work. And together we got a group of um, committed volunteers um, supporting us to do what we do. So this is, this is Anna, my dear friend, who is now in the US. And we started doing basic fundraising. Um, very beginning was piano concerts. Actually, the doctor you can see there um, is a doctor at the TB ward in the hospital. He was a very talented piano player, and so we did that at the residence. We sold cakes. But very quickly, this turned into something very serious. And this was also because, thanks to the opportunities I had through my husband's work, when we would go out to official dinners or functions, I could meet with company heads and other organizations, and I could talk to them about our idea. And so we garnered support for the first library, which um, was placed at Port Moresby's uh, Children's Ward for kids with HIV-AIDS, malnutrition, and tuberculosis. And the children in that hospital um, are hospitalized for up to a year. So we thought they would really miss out on all social interaction, all learning. And we then also established that we would like to establish our libraries um, via a vulnerability criteria where we would say we want to serve the most vulnerable children in the country. So that's why our two first libraries are really special needs libraries. So the second library was um, at a school for hearing impaired children. And those hearing impaired children um, were really lucky because they got the opportunity of having an education. This is simply not the case for many children in developing countries. Sometimes it's as few as 2% who have that opportunity. So we felt it was extremely important for us to, to show that we wanted to be inclusive and we wanted to make sure that we gave the children um, that um, love and care and materials that they needed. Um, so this particular library is actually a very, very well-resourced one now. Our third library changed everything. That was our library in the city centre of Port Moresby, and it was the, op the first one to be open to the general public. And um, we decided that we would always try to establish the libraries next to settlements where many children were not enrolled. You just saw a picture with lots of kids. Um, that's from a settlement called Ranaguri Sigani, uh, right next to the actual Australian High Commission compound where all the Australians live in, in lovely houses. There is a settlement of people coming from Gulf Province, a settlement of 3,000 people with three water taps and zero children enrolled at school. So we are working with World Vision to get into that um, uh, settlement as well. But that was the idea, to make sure we always put our libraries where the most children are. Again, with the opening of all these libraries now also growing after Lay, uh, to Lay and to Goroka, we really needed to... Um, make sure that we had a proper program in place. So um, we had to start um, talking to our staff about clear expectations, making sure that they knew um, how to put in place a little early childhood learning program. And we, thanks to one of my friends who was the head of a superannuation company called NAS Fund, 
um, he gave us office space. So before I left Papua New Guinea um, at the end of 2009, we'd established five libraries and we had our head office to continue with. I then came back to Canberra and met with His Excellency Charles Lepani, the PNG High Commissioner to Australia, who welcomed me to set up a library. A library. Um, yes, it sort of is. Um, <laughs> an office at the PNG High Commission. And so I guess with this um, increase in staff numbers, increase in, in fundraising um, activities, um, we had to obviously pay our staff and we had to move away from the model based on the, the group of volunteers that had supported us and who had um, done amazing things to use their contacts to also help us um, you know, make our first steps as an organisation. Obviously, when you have volunteers, they always come with, with time restraints. And when you have big international donors and big companies willing to support you, a whole heap of other things comes with that proposal writing, you know, auditing and um, various reporting and, and um, also creating exposure for their support. So, you know, setting up a website, having our Facebook page, and, um, and later also Twitter and Pinterest. So we moved on to becoming quite professional and to moving away to actually create um, a proper staff set up. Um, we have donors, uh, as I said, about 40 um, corporate donors um, from both PNG and Australia, very often Australian companies established in PNG. We were extremely f uh, fortunate that the Australian government, uh, through its then um, aid program, um, provided us with a grant from 2012 and onward, and that's continuing. And we also have the support of international INGOs such as World Vision. And with World Vision, we are establishing libraries inside settlements, which is, again, a totally different ballpark, just as I was speaking to you about um, with the case of, of Ranaguri Sigani. So I guess with this increase in our funding, it also led to a new capacity for us as a, as a small organisation. Uh, we were able to, as I said, increase our staff. We were also able to grow quite exponentially our libraries across PNG. We had a really vast growth in capacity. And I don't know where Adam is. Um, we, um, we were able to, to really get into very difficult areas across PNG to... to to put those libraries at the forefront. I would just like to introduce you to um, a, a man called Jeffrey Bunch, uh, who will talk to you about what has actually, just in just one minute, what has happened to, to libraries um, across PNG. He has been the, um, the manager for the National Library Services for over 25 years, and, and you can tell in his sort of serious way that this is actually quite a sad sort of um, state of affairs. At the time of independence, we had public libraries in basically all centres in Papua New Guinea, including two districts in Morobe, uh, sorry, yeah, district libraries as Bulolo and Wild Public Library. Up to now, most libraries have closed because in 1978, the government went through a decentralization process where the functions of the public libraries were transferred to the provincial government. And so 
provincial governments were responsible for funding of public libraries in the provinces. Since then, many public libraries have closed in most provinces. And right now we have only a handful of public libraries operating. Uh, that is the Alatau Public Library, Baroka Public Library in Eastern Highlands, Kundiawa Public Library, Rabaul Public Library, I think that's all, plus the Wau Public Library. So, um, I get extremely sad um, when I hear this because, as you know, we all love a good library and it's, um, it's, it's heartbreaking. So, Book Belong Pekinini set upon itself to, to build these libraries across PNG. And so we've really had to become builders or understand everything having to do with, with building services um, and have access to land as well. And those of you who are familiar with all things Papua New Guinea would know that this is simply the most difficult issue in PNG is to know who is the rightful landowner, um, do you have an entitlement to, to work on this land? And so we have, um, we have always tried to make sure that we are on a clear land title, but sometimes this is a bit difficult. I can give you an example of a, of a library which also um, has brought multiple nations together um, and has, has created a beautiful library with a view. This is a library which was sponsored by the Swiss government, um, through their embassy here in Canberra. They gave us $50,000 for a building. And then um, we had a local church who had the land, provided us with the land. And then we had a local supermarket and pharmacy owner who gave us the money to pay for, for the staff and, and, for the, and for the training. So sometimes it's quite an involved process to, to establish a library. Um, but furthermore, in addition to being able to, to grow these uh, libraries, we were also able to grow in programs. And this was because we were very um, committed to actually providing a more holistic service in our libraries, not just focus on literacy, but actually talk to the children about all the issues that they face on a daily basis. And so we have got a big program where we talk to the children about um, health and, and hygiene, uh, road safety, the environment. We talk about virtues. We talk about respect for your elders, and we talk about gender issues. Our tuberculosis um, awareness program is quite important because in Papua New Guinea, um, the children that we serve are 30% more likely to contract TB than other members of the community. So we do all sorts of activities with the children to actually empower them to have the knowledge of knowing what is correct and what's incorrect. How do you protect yourself? In some areas of Papua New Guinea also, people believe that um, sorcery is the cause of, of TB. So we're trying to dispel the myths and, and simply just to, to convey to them, you know, what would be the best way of looking after yourself and your family. So our awareness program also... Um, is a celebration time because we invite our donors and the media and our friends to come and see what's going on in the libraries and what the children have learned. After that, we have also been able to do a whole heap of training um, activity with our staff because we now have such 
Um, that's very funny pictures. That's from Bookwick. She's, she's, um, she's Goldilocks and he's Bob the Builder. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have so much fun in the libraries, but the staff training is obviously important to bring out the very best um, in, um, in our program. And so um, we had, have gone from having training once a year to now having training twice a year for two weeks at a time. We've also been able to, to monitor, and this little dude is also extremely cool. He walked into the library on the first day we opened on Menace Island. Um, I thought he was just about the coolest man around. Um, but through our monitoring and evaluations program, we use a, a methodology called Most Significant Change. And the Most Significant Change methodology is based on interviews. So you go and interview the parents and the children, the teachers and the community, and together emerges a story. And then you pick up on what has been the most significant change for those um, people. And so we have learned so much from our monitoring and... Um, it's also been a great motivational factor for us because we um, have um, heard from the parents that there has been a huge change in the children's behaviour. Not only are they using words like please and thank you, which we, of course, all love to hear, um, but there's been an understanding of great respect within the families, the respect also for the mothers who I think... Um, and I think my very dear friend Anu Palm will be able to acknowledge this as well. PNG mums are the toughest in the world. Um, they really have to care for their families, keep the whole thing together, and also hold a full time job at the same time. So that has been a joy to learn. What we also learned from our monitoring was that the children were so proud in their sharing of what they had learned in the libraries. And um, they were showing off a bit to siblings when they had learned to read and had grown about a metre in confidence, um, which is really what you want to see with children in a learning process. And the most touching thing for all of us involved with Book Belong Pikinini was really to hear the mothers say the word dreams. We now have dreams for our children. The children now have aspiration to become somebody, to actually um, take this opportunity to get a good start in life via an early childhood program and try to do their very best to get to school. In Papua New Guinea, getting to school is not easy. And my very dear friend, Takili, who is here today, he works um, at the moment in the Department of Finance. Um, he told me that for him to get to school, he couldn't go until he was 12 because before then, it was not safe for him. He lives in Hela province in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, southern highlands, a very dangerous place where it's not always safe to walk through the neighbouring village. So in Port Moresby, it's another issue, but of a similar case where sometimes you have to get on five buses to get to school um, or your parents can't afford the school fees, you can't afford the transport fees. So getting to school in PNG is just so difficult. But despite these challenges... Um, we now have cases of children going through this difficult time, walking for many hours just to get to school because they are so confident with what they have already learnt that they are willing to, to take this further. Another thing which um, translated through this book belong, um, to, through this um, monitoring was that we learned that um, the mothers became very interested in how the, the kids were learning. So we use a method with the kids called Jolly Phonics, and Jolly Phonics is quite a fun phonics program because you sort of, if you're learning the word um, snake, for example, you will sound out the word. 
So, you know, first you learn the sound and you're going, and they'll be shaking like snakes. And so if the mothers would take their children around town and see, you know, signs, the kids will be going, and they're like, what's going on with the children? Like, what are they doing? And so they came to us and asked, could they also perhaps learn to, to, to read? And so we, um, we created a program, and we do this from time to time when we have the funding called Book Belong Papa Mama, where we have graduated about 60 mamas, because the papas only come a bit later once it's been tested by the ladies. Um, and so um, the mothers came and um, learned to read and write also with, um, with our program. And the other thing that happened was that we have had a collaboration with now a vast number of organisations, and this also led to the fact that we had to have a board of directors, we had to have a big association where we meet and we make the strategic decisions for the organisation, and that obviously also takes a lot of organisation. And then, as I mentioned before, we've also been fortunate to have a great number of patrons and ambassadors. Um, we had Christine Anu, who was our very first patron. Uh, she came to PNG. Uh, invited by the Australian High Commission to come and talk about violence against women. And so when I learned that, I quickly asked, can you also just do a fundraising concert in the Highcom Gardens? Just, you know, part of your program. Um, and she was delighted to do that. So we could invite the whole expatriate community to come and pay money to listen to Christine uh, sing and then um, help us with the organisation. And then she also went on to perform in a couple of the libraries and at Port Mosby General Hospital. So she then um, asked us after if she could be a patron, and of course we were not going to say no to that. Our most long-standing patron has been His Excellency Charles Lepani, um, who has been an amazing supporter in that he will sort of name-drop in a few occasions, you know, Book Belong Piccinini is a worthy cause. So that's all our patrons and ambassadors do. It's just when appropriate, they mention you know, our work, which is, which is extremely um, um, important for us. We've also had Drusilla Majeska, who um, is a writer that I'm sure you all know. We've had Honourable Richard Miles in his capacity as um, Parliamentary Secretary to Pacific Island Affairs in 2012. He still went up to visit this year and is <coughs> still very supportive. Uh, we've had the great uh, former treasurer of Papua New Guinea that you saw before speak, um, Bart Philemon, who um, is um, quite a legend in, in Papua New Guinea. And um, we now have uh, Alison Lester, um, who um, is a fantastic inspirational Australian uh, writer and illustrator. And we are also very fortunate in that we get a lot of special visitors coming through our libraries. And just in this past week, we've had a number of Australian... Um, um, we've had um, Senator Ian MacDonald, we've had Janet Rice and Jane Prentice came through last week, and we've had another group come through today. Julie Bishop uh, has opened a library for us last year. She also did um, a lovely um, book launch in one of our libraries in Garoka. And we love getting visits. So if any of you go to Papua New Guinea, please let us know. And, and come and, and, and see a library and, and meet the children. We, we love having visitors. And we also know usually what happens after people have visited. And this was the case also for Julie Bishop, who actually conducted a book drive up at Parliament House. 
<laughs> this does not happen every day, but uh, we were extremely um, proud of that, of course, and, and very, I'm very grateful. And so, of course, the books are extremely important because what would Book Belong Piccinini be without books? Um, we have um, book drives across Australia. We have been extremely fortunate that an Australian company called Seafast has supported us with free shipping to Papua New Guinea. So since the very beginning, we have had that happen. And so that has meant that when a publishing company has 5,000 books um, that they are considering destroying, um, they can come to us and we will gladly accept those books because there's no cost involved for the publisher nor for us as an organisation. We also have the support, and I would like the ladies and gentlemen to stand up from Lifeline Canberra. Penny, do not hide. I don't know where you are over there. And Helen Dawson, and also Penny's husband there. I, have, I cannot say thank you to you enough. Lifeline is now our biggest donor here in Canberra. Um, they provide us with everything that they cannot sell at their book fairs, all the children's books. And Helen also has time in addition to volunteering for Lifeline to come in and help me pack my books because I've slightly destroyed my back in the process of sending half a million books to PNG. So there's some great uh, ladies, but there's also been schools and individuals. I don't know if there's a few individuals here who've conducted book drives for PNG who would like to put their hands up. I'm sure there are a few people around the place. I saw you walk in. So thank you to you. There's been some schools, some children across Australia who really have supported us with, um, with books. And um, again, once those books come to PNG, they get put into our libraries and um, are greatly appreciated, of course, by the children. We put about three to 4,000 books now into each library, so the kids really have a very good selection and choice to choose from. Um, but we also make donations to quite remote communities. Yeah, there's Senator Ian McDonald. They didn't want to leave. They were like, we're not going anywhere. We're having too much fun in the libraries. And, um, and Jane Prentice with the um, Acting High Commissioner to Papua New Guinea, Bronte Mules. Um, so this was just last week in, uh, in Goroka. But our books um, really are the envy, I think, of so many you know, small communities across Papua New Guinea. So what has happened since the beginning is that we've received handwritten letters from villages like where Tequili is from um, of individuals saying, can you please just send us one book? And we haven't previously had the capacity to, to you know, reply to that because how can we, as a small organisation, when there's no roads in Papua New Guinea, get the books out far and wide? So we've been fortunate now that we have a helicopter company that have come on board to help us and will be able to um, drop books in very remote locations for us. And um, also um, this program, which we will be calling Book Belong Community Program, will mean that if communities have access to a little bit of um, district administration funding, they can actually... Uh, get their people trained with us. We are also going to be offering this to big organisations who want to set up their own libraries where we just train the staff, and, but that we forget the hassles of having to deal with land rights because that is quite 
a challenging uh, state of affairs. Tequila is also trying to make a difference within his community and has roped in both Penny and Helen from Lifeline to, to help him and has conducted a book drive at the Department of Finance. So it is just so important to you know, bring back something to your community if you, if you have that um, possibility. So other than sourcing the books here in Australia and you know, receiving all these great books, um, it has been on my conscience since the very beginning of Book Belong Piccinini that all the books come from Australia with stories about Australian children and with white kids in them only. And some of you who have um, been to Papua New Guinea may also have experienced that when you go into quite remote villages and the children haven't seen white people before, they get quite insecure. And I thought, I wonder if this would translate into the books as well so that we are actually supplying something which would be doubly foreign because a lot of the children when we come to them, have never had a book before. So I've always tried to buy everything that was produced locally, but quite frankly, it isn't much. So in 2014, I asked the wonderful Alison Lester to come to Papua New Guinea to help us run an author's seminar. And um, we worked with all the budding illustrators and, and authors to... Um, and we had Alison and a publisher here from Australia, plus... Um, various um, publishers um, of various publications in PNG attend. And um, we got talking about tips for writing and all this stuff. But Alison also took the time to go to our little cocky market um, and library and sit with the children. And as a result, we have produced a very beautiful book about the village. So the children painted what they saw was the important bits in their village. And then they um, told us a little story about it. And then we put it together. And again, we feel that these are very PNG pictures. My favorite is this one. We think going to the library is cool. Um, so that was a wonderful experience. And this is a book that has been very popular. We also, Andrew Kelly, who is very hot there. Um, <laughs> Wild Dog Books do some fantastic books, and, and Andrew Kelly has donated many, many books to, to Book Belong Piccinini. They produce books where there's, like, big pictures of crocodiles and teeth, and you get right into the mouth, and there's really big text, and the kids love those books. So he's a fantastic eye. This is a booboo man enjoying himself. That's my picture. I'm a little bit proud of that one. But um, So we produced a little reader about life in the traditional Port Moresby fishing village, and we gave all the children a little um, digital camera and they took us around the village and introduced us to their families, their pigs, um, the pigs with a view because it's a fishing village so they were out the back of the house over the sea which is quite an interesting way of keeping a pig um, and to the little shops and so again this will be a familiar book for a PNG child to read and because those books have had such great success um, we're feeling a little bit um, motivated now to continue this production. So in a partnership with, with Wild Dog Books, we're now going to producing um, a whole heap of books um, and many of them to support our awareness program. Um, we will have stories about tuberculosis, um, but we will also just have general stories. One of the things that I also made sure that we did... Um, 
uh, in 2014 was to support a very important initiative in Papua New Guinea, which is a, a writing awards program, which is called the Crocodile Awards. And the people in the Crocodile Awards um, had to be persuaded a little bit that children's writing was important, but I, I got there, and so in 2014 we sponsored a children's writing category, and we're now in the process of, of um, publishing the winner of this um, award. So we're very proud of that. It's a little lovely story, between a friendship between a caterpillar and a grasshopper. So we're looking forward to that. In addition to that, we're also going to be producing books about the environment. Um, I'm particularly keen on this because... Um, Papua New Guinea, just like Australia, has many species that are becoming is extinct every day. But the big problem in PNG is also that um, animals get hunted, um, and in some cases, you know, the children just might slingshoot them for the fun of it. But I think if you are in a serious situation of trying to protect the animals, you know, the more messages, the better. So we um, we are um, going to be producing a book about the PNG wildlife. Uh, where you, we just introduce it. And it's actually really important because all the books that we get from elsewhere have books about giraffes and tigers. But I think it's so important that they actually know a hornbill, a cuscus, before they know about you know, giraffes and tigers. So this is, um, this is an important um, program that we've got going. And we also hope that people will buy our books. And again, the National Library have been very kind to put them up for sale. So I would be very grateful, of course, if you would go and purchase a book after this um, talk. The books are really applicable to any child anywhere wanting to learn to read and write and also gives you know, children here in Australia a little picture of what a PNG fishing village looks like. So we really think that um, it would be great if, if schools in Australia would also take them on. Um, the um, Indigenous Literacy Foundation have already bought quite a few, which is, which is great um, for us. And I guess um, you can see there from our statistics, our mission has really been to, to foster a love of reading and learning, um, to increase literacy rates across Papua New Guinea, and also to raise children's aspirations. And I hope very much that we're doing that, because, again, our monitoring is showing that the children are learning to read and write after six months to one year. And... Um, when they graduate from our program now, they get a little report card, which will again help them to, to become involved in a public school. We're now looking at um, a partnership with the Department of Education of Papua New Guinea to support them to establish um, early childhood um, learning in PNG. That does not currently exist. They don't have uh, preschools. We believe that everything starts from a very young age, so we're doing what we can um, we have uh, also said to the Department of Education that we would love to also help them to re-establish school libraries, and I hope with that, with the Australian government, we will be able to, to do this. Um, so what we've seen is that over a five-month period, we have a 25% increase in literacy with the young children, and people like Quentin Bryce, um, the Australian Governor-General, when she visited in 2013, just couldn't believe what she was seeing. She had two five-year-olds on her lap reading to her. And she was like, what? I usually read to my grandchildren. They don't usually read to me. So um, the children do really seize the opportunity that we give them and really, um, you know, love coming in to read. So it's no, 
you know, surprised that we have such a long, um, um, or such a, you know, high increase in their literacy. We also have more than 10,000 library visits every month. Um, some of the children do come many times, and that's counted. So, you know, repeat offenders are including in this. Um, we're very proud of our gender balance. So we have more female attendance than male. We try to do a lot of awareness in the communities about the importance of, of sending the girls to our libraries. We also have in the programs where the children are enrolled, we have um, more than 64% um, uh, attendance, which is great because this is a program on a voluntary basis. We don't force anyone to come. And again, as I said to you before, you know, we have become famous for being the only libraries with lines of kids standing outside. So they know very well that if they don't turn up, someone else will take their place. And we also lend out about 1,100 books per month on average. We're hoping to be able to do better, but we think this is a, this is a good start. Um, so how can you help? Um, some of you already have conducted book drives and have donated books to, to Book Belong Pekinini, which you can hear is greatly appreciated. You can also uh, buy our books at the National Library Bookshop, and you can also make a donation through our website. All the donations go directly to our programs. And you can also spread the word via Facebook and Twitter and um, like our work and show your support in that way. So before we go to questions, I'd just like to, to, to thank everyone who has been involved in um, supporting us to get to where we are now. And um, this is, of course, the whole of the Canberra community. Um, Lifeline, the great people at Lifeline, I can't love them enough. National Library and Anne-Marie, who has been supportive over a number of years now. ABC Triple Six, Alice Sloan, is, she loves everything um, PNG and loves to speak talk and at any chance she can get. She's done quite a bit of that uh, this week. And then, of course, the PNG High Commission. So again, thank you so much, Deputy High Commissioner, for coming along today. And I'd just like to finish um, my presentation with the quote from the former Secretary General to um, uh, the UN, Kofi Annan, who said that he believes that literacy is uh, a bridge from misery to hope. I feel that I have really seen this happen with my own eyes, and I feel that this is the way that we should go forward in, in always seeking to support those who are the, the most vulnerable. So thank you so much for coming along today.